0: Welcome to Never Again Is Now, a podcast about anti Semitism. I am Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I am featured in the documentary about anti Semitism, Never Again Is Now. I am a Dutch Jew and the daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I immigrated to the United States because of the rising anti Semitism in Europe.
1: I am Phyllis Zimbler Miller the founder of the free nonfiction Holocaust theater project, FinEdgeTheWedge.com. I grew up in a small town in the Midwest and my grandparents immigrated from Latvia and Russia at the turn of the century, 20th century, to get away from the Tsar. In 1970, only 25 years after the end of World War II, I found myself stationed with my U.S. Army officer husband in Munich, Germany, which changed my life forever. Now, uh, Evelyn's going to say a word or two about our guest and welcome her. And then our guest is going to speak a little bit about herself. And then I'm going to start the questions, Evelyn.
0: Today, we have the honor to have as our guest on our podcast show, Malina Saval. Malina is Features Editor at Variety, where she covers film, TV, music, and theater. She won two LA Press Club Awards and is a board member of the LA Press Club. Melina wrote screenplays for Touchstone Pictures and Walt Disney films. And she wrote a book about the emotional world of male teens. Melina, could you please introduce yourself a little further to us?
2: Sure, hi, my name is Melina Saval. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, outside of Boston, I went to Cornell As an undergrad, English major, I spent a year studying at Hebrew University in Jerusalem and also worked for the Jerusalem Post there. It was my first journalism job. Uh, Actually, not my first, not my very first, but my first major journalism job. Um, And then I went to graduate school here, got my MFA from USC, and I've been in Los Angeles ever since. Got two great kids, and um, I got a dog. (laughs) Yeah, just... uh, just kind of riding out the pandemic as everyone else is. (laughs) So that's
1: me and brief. yeah. I'm going to switch my two questions a little bit, only to say, do you have grandparents who are Holocaust survivors or are you the kind of American Jew that I am where our our grandparents came from Russia or Poland or et cetera?
2: Um, I have a lot of relatives that are survivors, but uh, my mother's mother, my grandmother was born in, in Ukraine, then then Russia, and came here in nineteen oh eight. She was born in nineteen oh two and she came when she was about eight. So maybe nineteen ten, she um they had to leave where they were living in Ukraine. Um so that was you know pogrom era. Right. And on my other grandmother's side, Russia, Poland, um, and they were able to get out. It was more their family members that didn't get out. But my grandparents um, were, were able to. I met all three of my grandparents except for one. But so there's a lot of family members that are survivors, but my grandparents were able to escape and get out before.
1: Do you remember how old you were when you first learned about the Holocaust? Did your family talk about it?
2: Oh that's a really interesting question. I remember being very very young and um, one memory that leaps to mind is remember Lucy Davidovich's book um, uh god what was it called War Against the Jews or something but Lucy yes. Davidovich and there was a, there was a kids version that oh. I there was a, yeah there was a kids version that I remember uh, was part of our Hebrew school curriculum and I do remember that book but I God, maybe I was in third grade. I don't remember not knowing about it is probably a better way to answer. But I think probably around seven or eight, I do remember that that book was something that we were studying um, at Hebrew school. So that's one of the first concrete memories. I also have memories growing up. I have um, a large constituency of Canadian relatives in Toronto area. And I remember meeting and, you know, we'd go there for events, um, you know, like a bar mitzvah or whatever. And I remember there were survivors there on my father's side. And so I remember being very young, having, you know, seeing numbers and having my mom drag me across the room to say, oh, you have to talk to cousin so-and-so to tell you their experience. So I would say six, seven, and eight is probably when I first had some awareness
1: Interesting. What I also find interesting, but I need to move on, is that your mother encouraged you to ask questions, which is, if we have time, we'll talk about that because lots of people didn't. But what I want to ask now is, have you recently experienced anti-Semitism personally or seen it, uh, 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 observed it yourself?
2: Oh, absolutely. All the time. I mean, I think as a journalist, you know, I I, I'm an entertainment journalist and I write at an entertainment trade magazine. So I'm not writing specifically all the time about anti-Semitism, but I cover Israeli TV shows. I cover, you know, like um, Noah Tishby who I'd love to give a plug for her book um, is a wonderful Israeli actress, producer, and now published book author. She wrote a book um, called uh, Israel, um, a guide, something like, sorry, I don't want to misquote the title, but it's like, Oh, here. I actually have it right here. Um, A simple guide to the most misunderstood country on earth. And so I interviewed her her for a variety article and I got death threats. I got a lot of anti-Semitic hate mail. Um, So I would say, yeah, anything I publish, anytime I publish anything that sort of mentions Israel, there's generally one or two kind of responses that I'll get that'll be anti-Semitic anti-Semitic um and I've encountered it yeah I mean I you know I I could take the whole time talking about it but I think I think part of me feels like talking about anti-Semitism in the specific ways that I've personally encountered it is you know we've done that we know it exists and I, I I try to I think right now what we really need to do is is we need to you know talk about it and expose it and hopefully put an end to it. But I think we also need to talk about all the wonderful things about being Jewish, the Jewish community. So the short answer to your question is, yes, I've encountered anti-Semitism from as a young girl growing up in Boston, all the way till, you know, two days ago, you know, I mean, all the time, hate mail, I've gotten people emailing me, calling me like, it's sort of, it's, I always joke, like some of these could be really good things. Like Talmudic terrorist whore. I'm like, okay, that can be a punk rock band. I mean, just like your family should have been gassed. I mean, crazy things, just if I'm like writing about, you know, um, you know, your Raz and Akhara on Netflix, you know, hit and run. I mean, yes, I know. I I I binged it. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, yes, I have. There's a lot of anti-Semitism and um it is, it is the one, you know, I was, I was on the phone yesterday with Jonathan Greenblatt at the ADL and we were both talking about how it's still so completely socially acceptable and encouraged. There's no, absolutely no shame in someone being an anti-Semite. Their career doesn't go down the tubes usually every once in a while, but usually not, you know, it's just perfectly acceptable. It's, it's culturally appropriate. Um, And it's been completely normalized. And that's Hey, because it's not bizarre and not weird, it is the norm, um, and that's that's problematic. So,
1: although I would like to talk to you about how you handled this anti-Semitism, because we have a limited time, I want to turn it over to Evelyn's questions, and then if we have time, we'll come back. So, Evelyn, go ahead.
0: Um, Malina, in June you wrote the article "Too Jewish for Hollywood," you wrote in Variety, um, in which you state that Jews are not represented accurately in so many Hollywood productions, and and that this could be dangerous in a time when uh, anti-Semitism is surging in America like it is now. Um, You say the Jewishness of the characters are often watered down, and the actor playing the Jewish character is often not Jewish, and the spouse of the Jewish character is often not Jewish, or... Except you you your remark you remark cynically uh, except when it's about the Holocaust and and everybody dies yeah. the whole family is Jewish um, and um, when when Jewish actors play a Jew you write um, it often is has a self-hating aspect in in the character um, in other words you say God forbid Jews like being Jews. Um, you also um, published an article, uh, you wrote an article about featuring ce- Hollywood celebrities speaking out against anti-Semitism. Um, what were the reactions you got to these articles? Oh, well, you know, um,
2: I got a lot of support, which was great. I think a lot of people thanked me and they had said, wow, this is something that I'd been wanting to write. And um Mostly it 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 had been positive. Um, of course, you know, I don't know if either of you are on Twitter, but Twitter is kind of a cesspool of anti-Semitism or just hatred and misogyny in general. I mean, there's there's there's, you know. Um, so I got a lot of um support from a lot of different people. But then, you know, there's also people who just didn't, it's interesting. There are definitely people. That didn't respond at all, and in their not in their lack of response, it leads you to wonder what they're thinking. You know, people that I know, people that I'm colleagues with um, that didn't really say anything. That's interesting too. But I want to focus on the support that I've gotten, and um, you know, that's something that I want to do more of. It's you know, it's kind of a passion of mine. The intersection of like Jewish culture and pop culture in America specifically and in Israel too, you know, and, and all over, but is, is really just something that's always been a part of who I am. It's just the lens through which I kind of see the world. Um, I'm lucky. I always say I'm lucky. I like being Jewish. Like I, you know what I mean? Like some people really struggle or, you know, they have, I just, it's just, it's completely, it's like, it's like my hand or my, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if I just feel like I'm lucky in that you know, I have a Jewish neshama and it's just like part of who I am and it's just, it's a good fit. So not everyone does, but for me, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the intersectionality of Judaism and just like everyday life. So, um, I, you know, I enjoy doing that. I hope to do more, you know, for variety and just, um, and I, and I think You know, I think there are some examples of TV shows, a few that do it really well. I think Stiesel for me is just a beautiful, beautiful miracle of a show. And maybe we'll see more of that. We'll see. You know, I think, you know, Beanie Feldstein, a wonderful Jewish theater actress, was just cast as, um, you know, in the uh, updated version of Funny Girl. And I just think that's great because she's a Jewish actress. You know, she's a Jewish singer. And like that's not necessarily something to be taken for granted. You know, there's a lot of shows where they don't cast a Jewish woman and then they have her, you know, or man like play it up and be very over the top as though the mannerisms and the and the accent can compensate for what makes a person Jewish. And I see that as like, you know, that is sort of one form of anti-Semitism. It's kind of like to say you can just take a person and have them put a costume and bang, they're Jewish. You know, I mean, we wouldn't say that about, you know, any other culture or ethnicity. And it should, the same should hold true for, for being Jewish. You know, it's not about the hair, not about the curly hair. It's not about the bagels. It's not about the food. That's part of it, but it's about the essence. It's just, you know, and so I think it is important that, you know, not every character, not every Jewish character needs to play, be played by a Jewish person, but there's just such a noticeable amount that aren't. You know, that it's just something that I think um, kind of triggered a response to, you know, it wasn't it wasn't even even Sarah Silverman, who I don't agree with on everything, but I I really love her as a a comedian. I think she's very smart. And even she was saying, you know, she was she was like noticing it, too. It's like impossible not to notice all of the non-Jews cast in roles of prominent Jewish women, especially, you know um ruth bader ginsburg you know um played by um a non-jew you know um lovely actress you know felicity but you know it's just it's something if you're jewish and you're aware of your judaism you just it's hard to it's impossible to ignore you know so it's just something that i um you know felt that really needed some discussing in in a public forum so
0: so why is that you think that's um that non-Jewish actors are casted, casted for the role?
2: I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. And I, I, you know, I can't speak with any authority on any particular casting decision. So, you know, I'm not at the studios. I'm not the casting director. Again, it doesn't mean that these people aren't lovely, wonderful. You know, Helen Mirren is playing my ear. You know, I mean, um, she's clearly a wonderful actress, but it's so funny to me, you know, she... Who knows, you know, she's probably a bigger sell. She's probably, maybe she enabled funding. You know, a lot of times they'll cast somebody because of, you know, the person's name and that can guarantee, you know, that the, the project will get greenlit. Maybe there's something, you know, the studios or whatever, they don't want to be too Jewish. Um, you know, I, there's lots of, there's lots of reasons, you know, Um you know, will the audience come to see somebody in a role? They'll probably be more apt to come see um, Felicity Jones as Ruth Bader Ginsburg more than say maybe a Jewish actress that looked a lot more like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know what I mean? There's a, There's this like. There's this tendency to like uh, prettyfy. You know, like really kind of like make the Jewish character almost look like a shiksa goddess. You know. Uh, pardon you know if, if I'm offending anyone there but you know what I mean it's just like they're they don't there's nothing by the time they're played by these people I mean let's face it Helen Marin is a gore I and mean, she's a sex symbol I mean this is a pinup woman when you think of gold in my ear I mean this is a woman who she literally her ugliness she herself even said that it was her greatest political tool I mean I think it was you know Menachem Begin called her you know what like the strongest man in the Knesset or whatever I mean so it's kind of funny that she's being played by like a bombshell you know a gorgeous like I mean Helen Mirren is like fantastic um (laughs) but you know what I mean it's like she's not gold in my ear I'm sure she'll do a great job you know I'm sure she will I'm sure it'll be an incredible film probably more people will go to see it rather than if it was played by someone else you know I don't know but I'm not a casting director and I'm not a producer on on these projects anyway um and i think it kind of has to do with a lot of the things that i just said you don't want to be too jewish you want to make the person look rich you know and when hollywood first started you know um you know because jews you know were some of the head you know were the major heads of the first you know motion picture studios in hollywood i mean one could effectively say jews helped create you know they created hollywood i mean even then you know this isn't a new thing i mean the the the, the actors cast they were very americanized that was a whole idea assimilation you know to not look like you were coming from a shtetl. and their names don't forget the names that had to be changed the name and but uh, but that's and that's not even specifically you know that and and of course that's not specific to that industry but you know these these jews were not in they were not allowed to participate in other industries you know what i mean and so yes i do you know so i mean it's 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 I think it's just more of the same, you know. You really and and I also wonder, like, and and again, I I can't speak for other people, but I think that there's still a lot of residual kind of epigenetic trauma and fear about being Jewish in American society. I don't know if anyone really feels completely safe, really, you know. Um, so maybe that's, it's a bit of that. that.
0: That that's also a question I have about today. A lot of the anti-Semitism today is directed at um, the Jewish state. Yeah. Um, so um, many American Jews uh, love Israel. That's what we still see uh, in all the surveys. Um, how is it still possible in, in, in Hollywood, if you work in Hollywood, uh, to express your love for Israel and, uh, and still have a career?
2: Look, this is what I have to say. I think that I would always express my love for Israel and whatever the repercussions might be. I'm okay with that because I don't know how to be any other way. Okay. I'm not, I I've lived in Israel. I go back to Israel as much as I possibly can. I've gone there for work. I've, I've gone to, you know, Uh, film and TV seminars there. I've written stories about Israeli TV shows and films. And I mean, I am, it's so much a part of who I am. Like I would look ridiculous suddenly being like, I'm, you know. So it's like anything else. Where's your level of courage? Where's your level of pride? What's your connection to Israel? There are Jews who have no connection to Israel and they don't want to have a connection to Israel. They're probably not going to have, but, you know, there are, you know, like obviously there are some people that can get away with it. You know, Barbara Streisand can say whatever she wants, you know, (laughs) why she's just a goddess, you know, even Bette Midler could probably say whatever she wants. There's certain people. um, Then there are some certain people that say things because I don't know, maybe they feel like if they say too much, they will alienate people. Um, I I can't speak for everyone. I think it's very, very difficult to be, to, to outwardly express one's love and appreciation for Israel. I think absolutely definitely comes with a host of potential repercussions. 100%. It absolutely does. You know, I mean, there are people that have said things about Israel and, yeah, maybe they're not working as much as they they were before. I, I, you know, I don't know. But it generally there's always a response. And it is really hard because there's so much, you know, really it goes back to the ignorance and the lack of education. You know, I mean, a lot of people today, they're they're learning their history on Instagram and in Twitter. They're not reading books and they've never been to Israel. I mean, it's like the number of people that are so anti-Zionist that have never stepped foot in Israel in the Middle East. I've spent time in the West bank, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I've been all over, you know, I've been to Jordan. I've been, you know, to Egypt. I've spent a lot of time in that area. So I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I think generally people that have experienced Israel, um, what they say has a lot more value than people that just, you know, look at a meme or whatnot. And from there decide to educate themselves and form an opinion. And there's too much of that going on. And as we know, Israel is picked apart unlike any other country. And um, it is anti-Semitic. I mean, that is just anti-Semitism. It's deliberate. Um, Anti-Semitism existed way before the creation of the modern state of Israel. And now Israel is used as another tool in the toolbox of anti-Semites. You know, they'll try to hide it. And, you know, I'm not not anti-Semitic. I'm just an anti-Zionist, you know. And it's like, Sometimes it's hard to even take seriously. This is, you know, might be said by a person who's never stepped foot anywhere near there. Never read a book about Israel. Never met an Israeli. Never met a Jew. Never met a Jew. What are they basing it on? They're basing it on maybe woke culture. They're basing it on Instagram. They're basing it on what their friends say. It's not based in reality. A lot of it is so delusional. There's a lot of delusion, you know, like people think they're, helping also i mean you know i mean i i think a lot the conversely i think a lot of people think they're helping palestinians when they're not like a lot of times like people are saying and doing and uh yeah. you know boycotting and on and, and all this stuff like you know there's so many examples but it's like i guess the ben and jerry's thing since that was the most you know out there it's like you know, I've known people that have worked at those Ben and Jerry's shops in in the the settlement areas and I am this is not I'm not I'm not pro I'm not in favor of building settlements but I don't want to get political I just want to say you know a lot of a lot of those Ben and Jerry's ice cream stores like you know Palestinians and in in local Arab like they work there so like now they're out of a job like I don't know how that's helpful you know what I mean like I, I think that there's a lot of like protesting and there's not a lot of logic or education behind it. And I think that's dangerous, you know, it's not yeah.
0: helping. We, we, we've seen that before, uh, you know, yeah. in, in Jewish history.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would love for there to be peace. I would love for there to be a a, a two state solution. I would love, but the way to do it isn't by, you know, this divisiveness and just by boycotting a product, like I really, if anything, and like, you know, just to bring it back, because this is something I know a bit about, I've always said, I think peace will come through the arts and not through politics. I I believe that would be true.
1: I really. I want to ask one more question before we give you a chance to wrap up. Do you think that with shows such as Hit and Run, which really does a good job with the little teeny details about Judaism. Like, this will not ruin it for anyone. When someone dies, the uh, other person, But he starts to say Shema when he's dying, I mean, just these little details that yeah. normally would have been skipped. Okay, Do you see it getting better now with more streaming platforms, that there are more opportunities for portraying authentic Jews, which doesn't mean we're perfect, but literally shows how even... Jews that we would consider secular, I'll try not to cry, these things like St. Shema when you're dying are so embedded and makes us more, I think, real people, the people who've never met a Jew. Yeah. So do you think that part of forgetting the actors? Yeah. Is, is that part getting better? And then answering you answer that question, go ahead and give a last thoughts.
2: Well, that was a really sad scene <laughs> in Hit and Run. And I, I sat down with, with uh, Lior Raz yeah. a few weeks so and I'm like, that scene really crushed me. Um, when you say that, it also, yes, I think, I think li- that's what we need. Little like nuance. It's just nuance. You know what right. I mean? Um, you know, even, um, you know, Mandy Patinkin in Homeland, which, as Absolutely. you
1: know, he said, uh, Kaddish at least twice. Once he with said- all those bodies. Okay. I'll try right. to there too. Yeah. T- three times. I thought it was only twice.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I think. I think it was twice. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. It's like that. It's just called nuance. It's like, you know, it's because because other than that, all they're showing is like the only people that talk like that are people in black hats. It's like, no. OK, people running around like, you know, uh, I mean, secular Israelis. I mean, you know, when I when you think I mean, I, I always think of Daniel Pearl, you know, because those were the last words that he said. Yes. yes.
1: Those, why don't you say for people who are so young listening to this show, they might not know what we're talking about?
2: So, Daniel Pearl was a journalist that was assassinated, that was, was killed by terrorists and beheaded. Um, beheaded. beheaded. And, um, the last thing he said, you know, as he was being beheaded, was the shma, which is what you say before you know you pass from this earth, this this place to the other. And I always think of that because it's you know in life. Was he Shomer Shabbos? Was he the most observant? Was his wife Jewish? No, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And it's, I I absolutely agree with you. And it all, you know, it's little moments like that, little subtle nuanced moments where you have normal everyday people who incorporate their, their different Jewish traditions or customs in their lives in an organic way, you know? um, things that aren't happening in synagogue, just in everyday life, you know, like, I think hopefully it will get better. And I think, you know, Leo Raz and Avi Sakharov, who are the co-creators of, you know, Fauda and Hit and Run, and they have a deal at Netflix. I think they've got an amazing opportunity to do that because, first of all, they've got hit TV shows. They're both really talented. They're Israeli. So it gives it that international flair, um, this show in particular brings in New York. So it's got Hebrew, it's got English. Um, and I think it's just, you know, I think it's just up to people to create those characters, to create those moments. And if they're not able, and just to push, you have to be really pushy and demand. Like when I wrote my piece, it's not like anybody else that I work with was like, write this piece. Nobody cared, nobody asked me to do it. I was like, I want to write this piece.
1: Yeah. You know? and I was Absolutely. very impressed having been a former journalist that your editor and I'm not impugning your editor didn't say, "Oh, I, I don't think we need this." So let's give the variety a credit that that I'm serious, yeah, right? That that was.
0: Ooh. Yeah. So do, everybody- you have, do you have an advice? Do you have an advice for Hollywood people working in Hollywood and people who are listening to the show, who could be anywhere in the world, um, to help end anti-Semitism?
2: Oi. <laughs> you know what? I just I I think that like This is going to sound corny, but you know that song um Kol Haulam Kulo Gesher Ma'ud, you know, yes. the whole very narrow bridge, all, you know, and not to be the only thing we can do is to not be scared. Yeah. Just trying to a lot of people I hear, they say, you know, I'm scared to post a picture of me lighting Shabbos candles, or I'm scared to do it, you know, just do it. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to endanger themselves, but um, do it, whatever is your comfort level, um, right? You know, I, I think I see a lot on on social media, there's a lot of... Um, There is, you know, a little thing I was going back to, a lot of talk of, you know, anti-Semitism, you know, Jews, like these anti, these, these anti, these, you know, crusaders against anti-Semitism, you know, like their personalities are on Twitter and they're known for this. And sometimes I think I wish a little bit more, they were just, instead of just a little bit more, just post pictures of them being actively, proudly Jewish. I think the best thing that works against anti-Semitism is is almost to not ignore it because it's a huge problem. I mean, you know, according to the FBI, Jews are the single largest targeted ethnic and religious group in the United States. That's just a fact. Those are numbers like there's no it's just a fact. Jews are the, most hate crimes occur, you know, are uh, Jews are attacked more than any other group. Like, so there you have it. Things are bad. But like sometimes just posting a picture of, I don't know, a picture of eating a falafel in, in Jerusalem, like there, that, you know what I mean? Like just normal things, just make it normal. Just be proud. You don't even, you know, just like there will be haters and there will be people that will that are going to probably send you hate mail and whatever. And who knows, maybe they're, they're bots, you know, <laughs> like, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know, but I think just try to, try to be fearless yeah, where no, you fear. No.
0: Don't
2: hide. And hide. Don't hide. Don't hide. You know, like I don't know. I remember like I, you know, I wouldn't say this is the smartest thing, but I remember as like a younger person, I'd be backpacking all around, you know, Europe and, you know, the Middle East and whatnot. And I remember some people would say, you know, take your Jewish star off. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm leaving it on. Like if something's gonna happen to me. Then, then it let it happen to me while I'm wearing my Jewish star. You know what I mean? I'm not going to hide who I am. It's never been who I am. It's hard for some people, you know? If I mean, we all remember too, like, I mean, at the age where I came of, you know, about mitzvah age was very much, you know, in the 80s. I was in Boston. Yeah. It was a whole Fusenik era. There were literally people who couldn't express their Judaism. They had to come somewhere. They came to America. It's not easy. It's not possible for, everyone. So I think if it is possible, I think try to just be as proud as you possibly can and as open about it as you possibly can. And, you know, if there's something you want to express, express that and be true to yourself, you know, that I think that's a
1: wonderful wrapping up. I really think that message is so important that we're going to end there. I want to thank you for so much <laughs> for being our guests. And I want to thank our listeners and please, people, if you haven't watched Evelyn in her documentary, Never Again Is Now, do so, it's at joinneveragainisnow.com and check out my nonfiction Holocaust theater project at thinedgethewedge.com. And whenever you can, without getting yourself physically in danger, speak up against anti-Semitism and hate.
0: Thank you, Molina. Thank you, guys.